a Pantry Studio production. The following may contain strong language and deals with adult themes. Listener discretion is advised. Just being there for someone can sometimes bring hope when all seems hopeless. It seems like these mountains go on forever. The countless trees, woodlands, animals, and maybe memories. Those are tough to kill, and they stay with us. The things that always catch us off guard. And I'm not just talking about the folk tales and the legends, the things that these mountains are known for. I'm talking about something more personal. You know, some of these memories that we have of the people that we love are dreams. And sometimes nightmares. I mean, think about it. How often do you wake up after having a dream of someone that you've lost and wish that it was just that? Only a dream to realize that those sleeping dreams are living nightmares. From murders and the missing, to strange lights in the night sky and creatures unknown, the Mountain Mysteries has covered the bizarre, the unexplained, and the unimaginable. This door... is a passage to a place that, well, is as intriguing and mysterious as it is amazing. I ask you to keep listening, because this episode is something that's entirely different. It's not a murder. It's not about the missing. It's about the unique soul of one human being who was my very best friend in this world. A man I loved. A man I called brother. This is dedicated to the enduring memory of Trevor Huff. I will be the last to fall. I won't shed a tear for them to see. Over 24% of the 1.9 billion square acres in America alone, the mountains that so many people call home, also play host to some of the most staggering mysteries in the world. The missing. And she said, I knew I wasn't there anymore. The murdered. All my emotions just went blank, just like, just blank. 
and I still live with that today. I think about that so much today as he was in that water. Strange creatures. Whatever it was, it was standing up. I'm out here looking through the window now, and I don't see anything. I don't want to go outside. I mean, it was a, nope, we need to get out of town. Unexplained lights and sightings. It does not look like an airplane. They come together, and then they separate, and they just keep doing this all the time. These stories may be strange. They may be sad. They may be odd. But they are mysterious. These are the Mountain Mysteries. And now your host, Chris Sloan. You're going to find that a large part of this, a large amount of this podcast episode is unscripted because it's Trevor Huff was a friend of mine for over 30 years. And the first time he listened to this podcast, he said, you know, he said, you sound great, but you always sound better when you're speaking from the heart, not from a script. I guess that's most any of us. To say that he was talented is like calling the Titanic a boat. And I kind of refer both him and the Titanic together because they were bigger than life and gone too soon. Trevor had a way about him. It wasn't just his music. It was his art. It was his effect on human beings, on people, the way they loved him, the way that he loved them, the way that he cared During this episode, you're going to hear some of our previous episodes that were Trevor's favorite. Just pieces of them, but still. Parts that he really loved listening to the most, so he told me. His uncle Vaughn and I, who is a good friend of mine, mentioned once on social media, Trevor said you had a million dollar voice. And if anybody would know, that would be Trevor. Well, I don't know about that, but... I do know that this episode will have everything that I have to give for one human being, and that's all of my heart, all of my love, all of my respect, and a condolence that I can never express. An emptiness that I can never feel. I first met Trevor over 30 years ago at the studios of WQHYFM. He worked at another station then. It was WKCB. But he was dating somebody at the studios who worked at QHY. She was a mutual friend. She told me once that she was dating Trevor Huff, just in general conversation. And I said, I'm not sure I know that guy. Anyways, I pulled in one day and saw this young lady outside with a bucket of coleslaw. And I, well, it was more like a cord, but... I remember looking at Trevor, and I'd never met him, and I said, that much coleslaw? He said, well, that's what she loved. And I said, okay. And she wanted more. It was Long John's coleslaw. (laughs) Long John Silver's. She wanted more, and he went and got her more. And I remembered right then thinking to myself, this is a guy I can get behind. This is a guy I could be a friend with. Because he knew how to treat people with a sense of respect, caring, and dignity. And that was Trevor, through and through. I had no idea the friendship that I would build with him that would come to define us both. 
you know, as things so often do, they go differently than we plan or than we hope sometimes. And sometimes they're exactly what we hope for. But things with him and that young lady did not work out, and I remember getting a call from him. And I didn't know him very well at the time, but he asked if we could talk, and I said, sure, what's up? And he just kind of unloaded. And I had been through a bad relationship at that time, and I unloaded back. I, we talked. And I found something odd about him. I thought to myself, here's somebody that I can talk to who's not judgmental and who's always there. And at the end of that conversation, I remember before he got off the phone, he said, you know, I can't thank you enough for taking your time and talking with me. Well, I felt the same way. And he said, you know, I want to make you a promise. And I said, okay. He said that no matter what, come hell nor high water, I'll be there for you. And like Tracy Lawrence said, time marches on. And it does. Things change. But that promise he always kept, he never changed that promise. He never took away from that promise. If anything, he added to that promise. And over the course of the next 30 plus years, he was always there for me. You know, there were two days that changed my life significantly. One was January 21st, 2019. The other, February 24th, 2019. Those dates are etched in my mind like words in stone. You see, January 21st, 2019, my mom died. Trevor was there. February 24th, 2019, I walked in and found my my dad gone again Trevor was there but I'm getting a little ahead of myself after mom had died Trevor didn't know her very well but he knew her well enough to know that she was loving caring sweet tender everything a mom should have been and then more but he knew it destroyed me so that night I proceeded to go to Trevor's home and get totally wasted. He took my keys from me, let me get wasted, and then in no uncertain terms when I tried to leave, he made sure that that wasn't going to happen. No, 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 not tonight. He said, you can sleep it off here, you'll be fine in the morning. I said, I got things to do. He said, things that can wait. He said, now look, we've got one or two choices here. He said, you can either go in there into that spare bedroom and you can sleep it off and in the morning I'll make us pancakes. Frozen, but pancakes. Or I can knock you out and put you in that bed and in the morning I'll make you pancakes. Frozen pancakes, but pancakes. Well, being that Trevor was six foot something and could tear down a house with his bare hands if he wanted, I chose option number one. I went in there and slept it off and woke up the next morning and had pancakes frozen pancakes but pancakes and if I'm not mistaken he even made sausage with them 
But that's what friends do. That's what brothers do. That's what family does. Wasn't long after that that he played the guitar at my mom's memorial while I read a poem called The Dash. Well, it seems like nearly everybody in the chapel lost it. And I had to fight not to, I'll be honest with you. My daughter was inconsolable. I nearly was, but somehow Trevor gave me his strength to hold it together. It was sometime after that he called me up out of the blue one morning and he said, Hey, what's your dad's number? Confused and somewhat dazed, I gave it to him. Not really sure of what he had in mind or his intentions, although I knew were good. And he called dad, who was in deep grief and mourning. And he said something to my dad that resonates with me over three years later, at the time of this recording. He said, you know, Gary, some people spend their whole entire lives looking for the kind of love that you and she had. The storybook love, that fairy tale love, the kind of love that never dies. And you found it. He said, I can't help but be envious of you. Not of your pain. He said, I hurt for you for your pain, but I don't hurt for you for having found the love of your life and living that life with that love. And in some moment of grief and measure of sorrow and pain, he helped my father heal. Dad wasn't here much longer after that. And when Trevor found out, he cried with me. He came over one day on that big whiskey orange and vivid black Harley, parked it in my driveway, got off the bike and didn't say a word to me. He just walked over to me and wrapped those arms around me. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, brother, I'm so sorry, but you need to know that I love you. And I told him I loved him too. And we were inseparable. Each year, I guess it started around 2015 or 16, we went to Georgia. Little places called Two Wheels of Suches. It's in the North Georgia mountains. And the year before all of this happened, I didn't have the money to go. I'm like everybody else, you know, you go pay bills and things like that. And one day I got this PayPal notification. He'd been trying to talk me into going. I kept saying, man, I can't. I just don't have it right now. Maybe next year, maybe, you know, whenever. One day I get this PayPal notification and there was a certain amount of money in there that, um, well, to be honest with you, it would have surprised anyone. And all it said on the bottom was, trip, you're going love you your brother what do you say to that some years later I got to pay that kindness back and he didn't see it coming either just like I didn't we were that way so it was on that trip that we were uh, in a cabin 
at two wheels of searches. God, he was sick all the way down there. Stopped his Harley in Tennessee. Pulled into a rest stop. It was hot that day. Temperatures probably in the mid-80s or 90s. Humidity. Like it does around this region. Sweltering. And he said to me, I'll be alright, I just need a minute. And I looked at him and said, brother, we can turn these things around right now and go right back the same way we came. And his exact words to me were, hell no, we're going. And we went. And if you were friends of mine on Facebook, you'll see pictures of him laying there with a bottle of water that I got him. And he was like, um, thanks for the water. Because when he got off the bike, he said, I want a beer. I said, you don't need a beer. What you need is a water. You're, you're dehydrated. I said, alcohol is just going to make you worse. And he said, well, he said, I got no water. So I walked across this little bridge with a little store over there, restaurant slash store, at Two Wheels, and I got him a water, got him a couple. Brought him a water. He said, man, I really appreciate it. I said, you don't have to thank me for nothing. We started walking back outside onto the porch where our cabin, you know, our little two-person cabin had a porch. He said, where are you going? I said, I have a beer. I'm not the one dehydrated. And he just laughed at me. Well, later that night, we tried to get some rest and cutting and woke up. Now, keep in mind, this part right here is not for kids. We woke up, and behind the cabin, there was knocking on trees. Well, we're in the North Georgia mountains, and I'm thinking to myself, what is that? And then it hit me, that's how I've always been told that Bigfoot, or Big Feet, whatever you want to call them, communicate with each other. Well, for all I know, they're sitting down there looking, hey, it's dinner. Two guys. Well, as you can imagine, anybody that knows me knows I start to get a little bit antsy. Okay, I start to get a lot antsy. And I looked over, Trevor is sitting to my left. And I looked over at him and I said, Brother, those are big feet back there. Trevor stops, looks up, purses his lips together, squints his eyes, tilts his head to the left, and he listens. And they are, they're going back and forth one side to the other this is a mountain mystery and I said those are big feet he said bro those aren't big feet and I said then what do you call it what is it he said man he said that's a dick fur and I squinted and I looked over to my left at him and I said what is a dick fur as soon as I said it I knew I'd open my mouth and open the door and he said to be with and he cracked up and almost fell off of his chair. Well, of course, here I go. I'm about ready to fall over because I knew Trevor and I knew what was coming. And I don't think I'd ever laughed that hard in my life up to that point. But that's just one of the stories I have to share with him about him. His sense of humor and the way he always made people feel. He made the most quiet person in the room feel like the biggest person in the room. He made somebody with anxiety, well, he brought them peace. He made the unconfident confident. He made the unsure certain. And the people that felt like they didn't really have anybody that cared, they felt like they were loved. Now, we all have our issues. Maybe Trevor's biggest issue was the fact that he did not know how to not care. He knew how to love. He knew how to care about people. He was so proud of his son, Alex. He was so proud 
of his family. He was so proud of his son. I can't express that enough. He was so proud of his friends. He gushed about many of them. Those are only one of the things out of millions that I miss about him. My friends became his friends as easy as the sun lights the sky, as easy as the stars light the night. And he introduced his friends to me with some kind of a reverence that I never felt I deserved. But yet he made me feel like I deserve it. He showed me what it was like to care about others, to love others, and to genuinely be kind and give and expect absolutely nothing in return. Throughout the course of the next little while, you're going to hear from people, people who knew him. And you're going to hear certain elements of the mountain mysteries that he loved. I've got to say this about this podcast. I wish I'd said it earlier because he was a fan of this podcast. He wasn't just a fan. He was a believer. And the reason he was a believer, because he got it. He knew it. He knew what the mission was. He knew what I was trying to do. He knew what we were trying to do. And that's to make sure that the memories of those we've lost along the way in this lifetime, this thing, this path, this journey that we call life are never forgotten even though they've moved on to a better place, even though they're, they may not be here with us, even though we don't know what happened, he knew that their memories are what counted. And he made sure that he did his part in that. Many of the music, much of the music that you hear in this podcast was done by Trevor Huff. And man, he put his heart and soul into it. And you can tell it. Some of what you're listening to under this right now is him recorded months ago in his home studio. You know, back before I knew him in the early 90s, he fronted a rock band named Flat Mary Stone, and God, they were good. Their music was used on ESPN, NBC, and several others, and he just had a way. And I remember once, not long ago, just maybe a few months ago, he looks at me and he says, Chris... I'm not a musician either. I'm not a vocalist. I'm a guitarist. And I said, yeah. You're not only a guitarist, but you are a vocalist. You are a musician. I said, do you know how far I've driven to see you and to hear you perform? And he just looked at me. And again, in Trevor-ish fashion, he pursed his lips and he said, Yeah, I know where you live. And I think that time I was 70, 80 miles from home. Didn't matter. I would have drove anywhere to hear him play. He was that kind of musician. He was... He was talented. When he wrote a song, it came from the heart. When he did artwork, it came from the heart. If you'll look on my Facebook page, which is Christopher Shelby Sloan... You'll scroll down through there, and at some point you'll see a picture that he drew. The last photograph I had of my mom and dad together, and that was him that drew it by hand. He took that photograph, and he drew that by hand. And I'm not the only one he did that for. But there was something about his music and something about his art that captured the soul, the very essence 
of whatever the subject matter he was drawing was. That was Trevor. Well, when he first started listening to The Mountain Mysteries, which was episode one about April Pennington, he calls me. And I said, well, what do you think? He says, well, he said, honestly, man, he said, you sound great. But you, he said, you sound better unscripted. You sound better when it's coming from the heart. You sound better with you just being you. And at first, I kind of took offense to that. I got to admit. And then I got what he was saying. You sound better with you being you. He knew what it was like. He knew what it meant for a person's own personality to shine through. And that's what he wanted. He said, when you got that, he said, there's no stopping you. Like I said, he can make you feel like you could do anything. Over that course of time, he became my rock. Over the course of years, he became the one person that no matter what, I knew I could turn to. And would give me his honesty. And it wasn't always what you wanted to hear, but it was always what you needed to hear. That's what friends do. That's what brothers do, he would say. This was Trevor. This is a piece that he really loved hearing. And it was from episode one entitled Tragedy at Paintsville Lake, The Mountain Mystery of April Pennington. Prom night, 1991. It was May 18th. There was a light mist and rain falling that day as winter's dying breath clung desperately to the hope of stopping spring. It was a day that April looked forward to. A weekend with friends, prom, and memories that she would carry on with her throughout life. Her mother would never forget this day. It would be the last time she saw her daughter alive. April was all giddy and smiling and, and just being April. And she told me, she said, Mom said, uh, there's a houseboat party at the lake. And she said, Tim, Tim is going to come up and pick me up and we're going to just go out and ride around. We may go to that houseboat party. So Tim come up in his truck and he backed in the driveway and April went out and she was wearing this white shirt, white t-shirt. It was an extra large shirt because she didn't like things tight. Mm -hmm. She didn't like to show her breast or anything like that. She liked to be comfortable. Exactly right. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was wearing a pair of blue jean shorts and her K-Swiss tennis shoes and her necklace and a ring. And she went out the door and uh, I said, y'all be careful now. And she said, oh, we will. And her and Tim and the other boy at that time that was with him, who was also out here at the lake when they passed away, they all waved at me and smiled and went on down, down the road. Imagine, if you will, 
Or if you can. If only just for a moment. That you're at home. You believe that your child is out having the time of their life. You're waiting on them to come home. Expecting to hear all about how prom went. The music, the food, the dancing, the formal wear that she was wearing. And how her date went. And what they did with their friends. You can't help but smile remembering such memories that you made yourself. You know that times like these rarely repeat themselves. That is what makes them special. You look forward to what they'll do with their lives, who they'll help, how much they'll accomplish. You see yourself in them, going on to make you proud, a part of you that will live on. Then, you hear it. A knock on the door. I remember a knock on the door around 1, one fifteen time frame, and I got up and I opened the door, and there was the sheriff, which is uh, Gene Sire, which I did recognize him, but there was another guy with him that told me he was the coroner, J.R. Frisbee, and they just blatantly come out and said there's been an accident in April, she's dead, just like that. It may sound cold and callous. I'll be the first one to admit I've never had to deliver a death notification as a police officer. I've never been a police officer. But I do have a lot of respect for them, and that's just one of the reasons why. But we always have to remember this is not an episode of Law & Order. This is real life, as real as it gets. Sometimes ripping off the band-aid quicker makes more sense than trying to peel it off slow and easy. Because the truth is... Sometimes there is no easy. All my emotions just went blank, just like, just blank. I can't even begin to imagine. For some reason he loved that. He told me that the emotion in that was so raw and so pure that even though he didn't know April, he felt like he did. He felt like he knew Sharon. And in time... He would come to know Sharon. It was May 8th, 2021. We held a um, celebration of life for April. First one that she had had since her passing, which was 30 years prior. I told Trevor that this was going to happen and where it was going to happen. And he showed up with Russ and Janine, and they performed music live. In her honor. So I tried to go and pay him, and he was like, absolutely not. He said, no, that's not going to happen. I think he earned the respect of everybody that day that didn't know him, that had never met him. And people, once again, just naturally fell in love with him. You see, to know Trevor Huff was to love him. April Pennington's mom, Sharon Barron, tells us more about the first time she met Trevor. It was at the celebration of life for April and Tim last year, 2021. That man, Trevor, he was so sweet, 
so kind and big hearted. And everyone that was there, all April's family and all her friends, enjoyed just being in his presence. He was wonderful. The music he played was very appropriate and everyone loved it. And I remember when I gave him that in honoring, honoring April and Tim's shirt. He took that shirt, said thank you, had a big smile on his face, put it right on on top of his other clothes, wore it the whole time. He was there to support and honor April and Tim the whole way. And like I said, God sure blessed this world when he brought Trevor, Trevor Huff into it. He was a blessing to everyone, and it was an honor to meet him and in his presence. Fly high, Trevor. Sing with the angels. You know, it wasn't just music. That was a big part of Trevor's life. It was his family. It was his friends. Music was a part, but so was art, artism. He could draw hand-sketched pictures like no one I'd ever seen. And the thing about the difference between the pictures and what he drew was he always managed to capture the soul. I think I mentioned that earlier. But in his music, in his lyrics, when he wrote music... It was from the heart, it was from the soul. He once told me an old country music adage, all you need is three chords and the truth. And he told me that that was an old country music adage, but it's true. But when he found this next person, she was not only a collaborator, but a true friend. And she tells us about meeting Trevor for the first time. Her name is Janine Freeman. She's an exceptional person, and Trevor was an exceptional guy, so the couple, well, they were exceptional. So, Trevor had auditioned for a production of The Sound of Music that was to be centered around the Knott County, Perry County area. It was a production that the Appalachian Arts Alliance had pulled together. I was serving as the music director for that show, and he came in and sang an audition cut of Music of the Night from Phantom of the Opera. And as you can imagine, he impressed us all, and he was cast as the captain, Captain Von Trapp. But that happened right before the shutdown across the globe for the pandemic and that production just shut down it never happened well we had within the first couple of weeks that we were pulling together um, elements of the show we had a, a read through all of us who were in the cast and crew had connected into a group on Facebook to make communication easier and we friended one another just so that through messaging we could get information out to each other very rapidly well when the production shut down gosh you know I would say it was probably I don't know a month maybe no more than two months he sent me this random message saying he was Regretful that we weren't going to do the show because he was looking forward to being able to work with a vocal coach, a voice teacher like I am in the region. And that just opened up communication. We just started 
texting one another, messaging one another, and eventually calling one another on the phone. And and we were just friends for like a year, just talking at <laughs> random times. And then we started going out after we had lunch together one day. That was it. And he was just an incredible person um, to to know as a friend and to be in a relationship with. He just had such a, a giving spirit about him. He was a very generous person, not just toward me, but toward countless people that he knew. Um, you know, the thing that I had such respect for regarding him as a musician it's related to that generosity and that attitude of being inclusive from the time we started seeing each other he was quite adamant about having me sing with him and collaborate on music projects with him he said early on we have to we have to write music together because he knew that i had composed pieces in the past and and i hadn't been actively involved in composition for some time and he said we've got to write music together and we've got to perform together and um that meant the world to me i've i've dated musicians before but i've never been in a relationship with a musician that was like that, where they immediately just wanted to get into the thick of it um, between us regarding our, our love for our art form. Well, if I remember correctly, too, you performed with him at April Pennington's um, Celebration of Life at Paintsville Lake. That's where you and I first met. Yeah, exactly. You know, he he said... Russ and I, we have this this um, benefit, and I want you to come in and, and sing with us. And and my response was, well, you know, that's that's a gig that you and Russ have is the band Great Scott. Um, I don't want to intrude. And he said, no, 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 no. Come on in and just sing with us. And I had such a great time because again, that that sense of generosity and also his joy that he would convey not only in in performance but in working together and in rehearsing it was just infectious and i just had such a great time and there were some other instances where um i went with him and and sang with him on gigs and i will always treasure those memories i i just loved every minute of it with him well, I know that on behalf of April's mom, Sharon, uh, she spoke about this earlier in the podcast, too. We were so grateful to have both you and Russ there, and your performances were beautiful, incredible, and inspiring. Well, you know, I think that's just because of, of Trevor's spirit. He really, through his playing, through his singing, and just just through the expression of joy that you could see very obviously whenever he was out playing yes. um, mm-hmm. it was it was something that was just infectious to us all now coming soon there's going to be a benefit or rather some kind of foundation I understand to help 
young aspiring musicians? Well, Trevor had said more than once um, that he he always he didn't talk about it a whole lot, and many people probably did not realize that he did this. He always liked to help other musicians, no matter what their age, but, you know, particularly, um, he spent time repairing instruments and giving them to young musicians who perhaps didn't have an instrument or who couldn't afford to go out and buy one. He would take guitars that people would give to him, or sometimes he would buy guitars from wherever they may be and fix them and he was a great guitar tech um, and he would give those instruments out and just um, recently he had you know made a statement to me that you know one of his dreams was being able to help somebody a young musician who you know, didn't have the money to be able to do it for themselves and just just help them with their art whatever it may be through giving them an instrument or helping them with studio time or whatever helping them with their songwriting and um the family knowing this has started a fund and it's called the trevor huff music outreach project when we planned his service, the family asked that instead of people, you know, sending flowers per se, that they perhaps just donate the amount they would spend on flowers into that fund. And the family will come together soon to hammer out, you know, the details of the mission and what, what they'll do in Trevor's memory just to keep that, that giving spirit of his alive in all of us. If I could ask you one question, that question would be this. If you could take one thing away from knowing Trevor Huff, what would that be? It's hard to narrow it down to one thing. Um, But I will say, because so many of us experience this, Trevor brought joy to so many lives and in knowing him just as a friend for that basically entire year before we were more than just friends he brought happiness and joy to my life that I didn't even know was missing and people who've known me for years they know that I'm not you know necessarily a cynical or or a person who's necessarily down, so to speak. Um, but the extra love and joy and happiness that he brought to me really opened me up to um, a place in my own being that I've never been before. And I, I, I made a post about it on Facebook because um, we would joke about it, and, and he knew this, because when I noticed that it came back, I pointed it out to him right away. From all the smiling and the laughter that we had together, there was a dimple on one side of my face that had been there when I was younger. <laughs> I'm still young at heart. 
but you know it, it, it just faded because we all you know change in our appearances the years roll by and I noticed one day when I was looking in the mirror that dimple had come back and whenever I had the opportunity you know I would tell him you know one thing that you've given to me that is marked by physical evidence is that that joy and you can see it in my face and some of my friends and family because you know through the pandemic we've not necessarily been able to get out and see one another as frequently as we had previously and um, some of my friends and family when they had seen me after being away from me for a few months they looked at me and said you you look different you look different and I know what it is now it's that that joy and and that physical evidence of that dimple being back I never want to lose that I want to carry that with me for the rest of my days in honor of Trevor you know as further evidence as his um, you know in further uh, evidence of his generosity and inclusivity as a musician this relates actually to your podcast he told me when I was over at his house one evening about writing music that you used as incidental music for your show. And he took me into the studio and he was playing some of that music, which of course was very cool. I, I just have great ad, I just have great respect and admiration for musicians that are of you know his level of musicianship. So he plays some of these clips for me and then he said, we gotta write something together. I mean, right then and there, he had this keyboard that had belonged to one of his best friends named Dustin. And Trevor came up with these ideas of it being in a minor key and of a chord progression. And I sat down at the keyboard and I, I was you know, playing some ideas saying, well, something like this. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we collaborated in that way. And when we got, uh, I guess you could say like a clip or a riff, he then recorded it and then he added more to it and sent that to me. And that is something that will remain so special um, to have possession of a recording of something that we did together. And I, I just will never meet somebody quite like him ever and um, I know that many people feel the same he was an extraordinary man incredibly talented and I just hope that through his arts not just music arts but visual arts that his spirit and presence will continue on You know, I can't help but think to myself that if I were to look up the definition of a friend in Webster's Dictionary, his picture would appear right beside of it. Who else would do that? What does it mean to be a friend to somebody? Especially somebody that you've only met a few times. Well, we had a mutual friend that could tell you a little bit more about that. Her name is Tracy Ferguson. 
Trevor was always there, not just for me, but it seemed like for so many people, including Tracy. Tracy was kind enough to reach out and contact and said that she would like to be a part of his memorial service on this podcast or this memorial podcast, whatever you want to call it. So we were honored and grateful to have her be a part of this. I met Trevor about three years ago for the first time. And he just walks up and he hugs you like he's known you all of his life. And anytime I needed something, all I had to do was just message him. And you're expecting a message back, but I always got a call back. And he knew a lot of stuff that no people knew. He would help me get over things or try to get over things. Oh, Lord. He he had a big heart. He was a very caring and loving person. And he always made you feel like you were loved. He had a gift for that, didn't he? He had an awesome gift for that. You know, you lost your, and I'm sorry to bring this up, you lost your fiancé around what 2021 was it 2020 i'm sorry 2020 was he there for you for that yes yes he knew that i messaged him when i could talk it took me a little bit before i could talk about it and messaged him and he was there what advice did he give (sighs) take it day by day take a deep breath uh think about all the fun times I had with him. Uh, Sounds very familiar. Just really, just take a deep breath and try to, you know, move on, you know, at my own pace. Don't push nothing. Just, I don't know, like go with the flow, I guess he was trying to say. And uh, that helped a lot because there wasn't very many people I could talk to about it now you you have two daughters brooke and morgan i think yep and uh we'll we'll be speaking with brooke shortly tell me what did brooke think of him oh my god (laughs) i I think if uh he's a few years younger she'd have went after him yeah (laughs) but it wasn't just his looks you know he was a good looking guy he was a great looking guy but he had the personality of a saint i mean people just gravitated to him yes I mean she she loved Trevor I don't think there was anybody in her friends list that could top Trevor no I don't I, I mean, really doubt it he, he would pop up out of the blue if she was having a bad day and he didn't know she was having a bad day and her phone would go off and she's like oh my god mom and I looked and I said, Brooke, it's Trevor. And she would run and she was like, he'd always put a smile on her face. You know, Trevor talked to me about her a time or two and he really looked at her like a surrogate daughter, like someone he wanted to be there for. He, he never felt that, I don't think he ever felt that he needed to be there for anybody, but he wanted to be. Oh, yeah. Yep. I mean, she, she, she flat out, she loved him to death. And the hardest part of it was when I got the message that day. And I just sat there and just looked at my phone and I'm like, okay, I read this wrong. Or... Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. He he, he typed this wrong. And Brooke said, Mom, what is it? 
and I couldn't even tell her. I just held my phone up, and she said, no, Mom, and she hit the floor. And what do you say to her when someone like Trevor's gone? I mean, she loved him. I think we all had that reaction. Yeah, I couldn't even talk. I was just like, oh, he typed this wrong. Or he, he played a joke on me. He's trying to get a laugh out of me. And I'm just like, this this ain't no thing to laugh about. No, no. And I was just like... Uh, you know, when I got the message, I'm sorry, Tracy, I didn't mean to interrupt, but when I got the message, I thought this is the sickest, damnedest, cruelest joke and it was no joke. Yeah. I know. I did too. I just, I just sat there. I mean, like, with my mouth open, I was like, oh my God, this, no, this is not true. And I, I couldn't tell her. Didn't have it in me to tell her. Couldn't tell her. Couldn't talk. You know, I asked uh, Janine, who was a musical collaborator, and someone Trevor was dating at the time, someone he was very close with, And, of course, I mean, Trevor was close with practically everybody uh, that knew him, but they had a very special relationship. And I asked her the same question I'm going to ask you. If you could take one thing out of knowing Trevor Huff and hold on to that forever, what would that be? His love, his compassion, caring, those are all good answers. More than I mean, one, but good answers. <laughs> I know. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. I, I, I can't narrow it down to one because... That's the same thing that uh, Janine said, that she could not narrow it down to one thing. And you know what? I was his brother. I was, um, or I like his brother. I think that he and I, in many ways, were closer than some brothers are. But, but you know, the thing is, what Trevor didn't get was so much of that was a part of him, too. Oh, yeah. You know, he gave me that confidence. He gave me that get up and go. You can do this thing. And you know what he asked in return? Nothing. Nothing. Never. Nope. Absolutely nothing. We will be speaking with your daughter, Brooke, just a little bit later. But, Tracy, first off, our condolences on the loss of your fiancé. And know that we care and respect you and... I know that Trevor would tell you the same thing. Um, thank you so much for your kind words. Well, you're welcome, and I just hope Trevor knows. He oh. is so loved. Oh, he knows, I'm sure. Thank you, Tracy. All right. Trevor was a lot of things to a lot of people. He was a best friend, wingman on the motorcycles, a musician that you would drive miles and miles to hear play. And none of that ever went to his head. He was always down to earth. He was a guy from Knott County. He was a country boy. He was a dad first and foremost. He was a friend. He was a brother. He was an artist, a musician. And he had a talent and a knowledge that you simply don't find every day. No matter how hard you look, no matter where you look, it doesn't matter. You can't find another Trevor Huff because there is no other Trevor Huff. I've said before many times on this podcast that each life represents a pebble or a rock or maybe a stone. That when thrown into a pond, the ripple effect and how it changes everything around it 
Well, it's simply incalculable. Trevor Huff was also that way with a certain young man named Seth Ambergy. Seth is from Knott County and actually produces these podcasts on a daily basis. How he does that, I don't know, but he does it. They're all over YouTube and uh, they're all over, well, several podcasts where podcasts are found, including Spotify. I recently got the chance to talk with him and found out who inspired him to do such things. Yeah, man, when I met Trevor, man, it's when I was like six or seven years old at the Gingerbread Festival, which you'd, you'd see him out every year, man. I mean, he had a big, a big inspiration for the music around this area, especially Knott County, man. He was one of the main guys here in Knott County for local music. I mean, he supported it more than anybody, to be honest with you. He did a lot for music here in Knott County. But, uh, yeah, when I was six or seven years old, I can't really remember exactly what age I was. It was at the Gingerbread, and uh, he was in front of the stage, and I talked to him and said, man, I, I love hearing you and Randy talk because I'm not a big fan of sports. <laughs> and listen to him and uh, Randy every morning, hoping that they say, no school in Knott County. I told him, you guys are my heroes, especially when you say no school in Knott County. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, you, you have a daily podcast that you release on YouTube and multiple channels, including Spotify and so many others. Did Trevor inspire you for that? I think you told me once that he was an inspiration for that. Absolutely, man. I also do a weekly show now on an online radio station, WKRO, 80s, 90s, and more in Akron, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, he is the biggest inspiration for my show. I mean, listening to him on the way to school, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. There was times getting up in the morning, I dread school and stuff and being stressed about tests and stuff. And uh, it's like a 20, 25-minute drive to my high school. Listening to him, definitely uh, him and Randy joking around and stuff definitely helped me out and helped me get ready for school way more easier and made me relax and stuff. And he definitely inspired because, I mean, I didn't have internet until I was 14 years old, man. The radio was basically all I could hear. I mean, I had TV, obviously. Local radio was very important to me at the time, listening to him and Randy every morning. He was a big part of that. He he was a big part of local radio. Absolutely, man. Probably the biggest, to be honest, the biggest influence on a lot of people around here, man. He's he's literally the original podcaster, honestly. Yeah, yeah, he really is. If you had to uh, sum up your memories of Trevor in one word, what would they be? Hilarious. He did have a great sense of humor, didn't he? Yes, sir, man. Listen to him and Randy joke around on the radio, man. It made not just mine, but everybody in Knott County's day way better, man. It did. It did. I heard him several times, and I was a fan as well. So, Seth, where can people check out your podcast and your radio show? Well, you can hear my show on YouTube, Seth Daily Podcast on YouTube. Uh, We have a Patreon, too, which is uh, where I post exclusive stuff on. It's a dollar a month. But uh, And my new radio show is on WKRO. Akron's 80s, 90s, and more, and you can download the Get Me Radio app and listen to that every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. You see that ripple in the pond I'm talking about? How one life can affect so many others? Well, the number of lives that Trevor Huff affected, like I said, were incalculable. The list goes on and on, and it seems to be endless. Now we're going to hear from Brooke Casey, another mutual friend of Trevor and I. And this is just another example of one of the countless number of lives 
that Trevor Huff reached out and touched and made better. The first time I met Trev was about three years ago. And the first words I said to him was, you have the greatest hair for a man. And he just tucked his hands through his hair and said, I know. And then come over and gave me a big bear hug. And there was just something about him. Once you got that hug from Trevor, it was like a click. And I was like, we're going to be best friends. And you wound up being really good friends, didn't you? We did. We um, we Snapchatted all the time. Just It's like he knew days that I had bad days. I would get a Snapchat from him, just something goofy. And I, it would make me laugh. And then days that I just needed somebody to talk to, I'd send him a Snapchat. And he'd send one back or he'd call me. Your mom had actually cited examples when you were having a bad day and he didn't know it, and he would Snapchat you out of the blue. Yep. Yep, it would just be like days that I'd just sit and would cry, and my phone would go off, and I'd look down, and it would say, Trevor. And it's just, sometimes he would send a good picture of him, and then sometimes it would be a goofy picture, and then I'd send a goofy picture back, and we were always silly back and forth. We had serious moments, but then 99.9% of the time, we were goofy. Tell me about one of those serious moments. Um, one of them was when I was going through my divorce, and I texted him, and I was like, Trev, I don't think I can make it through this. And he said, Brooke, he said, you are a pretty girl, and you're going to get through this. He said, it's not your loss, it is his loss. And he said, you've got all your family, your friends, and everybody here to support you. And he said, and you know, I'm always a phone call away. And he meant every word of it. Yeah. You know, that Wednesday, you know, I got the message from a guy named Scott, uh, who we're going to hear from shortly. What were your first thoughts? Mom hollered, and I was through the house, and uh, Mom said, Brooke, come here. And I thought, what is it? What is it? And I come in, and she just held the phone up and showed me the message, and I just fell to my knees. I said, why? I said, it can't be Trev. And Mom said, it is. And my first thoughts was, who am I going to message when I'm having a bad day? Or who's going to Snapchat me or send me a message when they don't even know I'm having a bad day and they can change it? And it was it was a hard one to take. It was very hard. You know, I think Trevor had that with a lot of people. Um, they could be having the worst possible day. And out of the blue, out of nowhere, it would get better just because he said, hey, or just because he, you know, sent a text message or he gave you a phone call. And a lot of times he wouldn't even, you know, a lot of times he would just give you a phone call or in, in my case, sometimes he would just show up. Yeah. Usually if I would send him a message, um, 99.9% of the time my phone would ring and it was him. And it's, he always, he would always answer the phone as, hey, what's going on or hey what are you doing and yeah with me just, it was hey what's up brother <laughs> so that was Trev 
So if, yeah. as, as you look back on your memories, pick out a pick out one that stands out to you that you love the most. The one that I love most was one night he was, uh, we were texting back and forth and he FaceTimed me and I answered the phone and I said, hello? And he said, what are you doing? And I said, nothing, just sitting here. And he said, look at this. And he had his guitars in his living room and he was showing them to me and he was like look at here look at this guitar and he would tell me stories about it and then at that time I had my old cat and I picked her up and he said oh my gosh and I said what is it and he said we have matching cats Yeah. and he picked up Inside Cat Mm -hmm. that was his name and he said look and yeah, we had matching cats. He he was always there when you needed him. For people he that don't know, Trevor had two cats. He had one named Inside Cat and one named Outside Cat. Now, Inside Cat was a demonic spawn from hell, but it was lovable. And and, and Outside Cat was just completely lovable. But I said, why do you keep my cat? He said, I don't think Outside Cat can make it. Or he said, I don't think Inside Cat can make it outside. So I was okay, whatever. But um, if you had to sum up Trevor in one word, or if you had one thought, and it don't have to be a word, but if you had one thought, what would it be? It would be... He was incredible. He was an incredible person. Very, very talented individual. And very caring. You know, this isn't all about the sad times. This isn't all about losing Trevor. It's what we gained by knowing him. If there was ever a celebration of life in a podcast, well, maybe the Mountain Mysteries is the first to do it. Maybe not. I don't know. And who cares? But what I do know and what I do care about is that I love Trevor. And that his life meant so much to so many. You know, one of the many people that Trevor knew in his life and one of the many lives that he affected throughout his entire life, which were too many to count. But one of these people are named Scott. Now, Scott is a personal friend of mine as well as he was Trevor's. Scott, thanks for taking the time to talk with us. Anytime. Tell me how you came to know Trevor. Well, knew Trevor through the radio station and, uh, you know, would see him at different events, you know, for the radio station and uh, got to really know him when we uh, started riding bikes. He, we took several bike rides together and got pretty close during that. And, and uh, your wife, who I just love her to death, Lynn, what did she think of him? Well, she's sitting right here. I'll let, you, I'll let her tea. I sure do appreciate that. <laughs> okay. Hello. Hi, Lynn. Hi, Chris. How are you? About as well as I suppose any of us can be expected. I was just talking to Scott about uh, our loss of a brother, a friend. Yeah, uh, I like that. Yeah. Tell me what Trevor meant to you. Oh, Trevor was an awesome friend. How did you first meet him? Uh, probably, well, I've known him for, you know, a long time, but really... 
I, I guess like Scott, you know, and uh, probably a few others that through motorcycle riding, basically. He was, he turned into a Harley guy through and through like the rest of us were. <laughs> yeah, he did. And I remember a certain trip right after my parents had died that I came down there and surprised there was this birthday party and you were a part of it. Scott was, Donnie Bruce and Velvet, and I had no idea this was coming. Well, that was no surprise, <laughs> you not knowing. Yeah, yeah, and I got down and there. I think Trevor was the one that told us. Yeah, yeah, that was Trevor. So when he, yeah, and when he told us, so we decided, decided that day we, we would just do what we needed to do for you. And that's what family does. I remember him coming over and hugging me and saying, I'm sorry, I'm trying not to get uh But, uh, yeah, him saying that's what family does. Well, yeah, that's, that's what family does. And, uh, you know, I don't know if I ever did get to thank you or Scott for that, but thank you guys so much. Oh, you're welcome, and I, you did. And uh, tell me, you know, Scott was the one who told me about Trevor's passing. How did it affect you? Which sounds like a crazy question, but... Well, no, it's not. No, I that was... That I was devastated. I, I, I this is hard to believe. It still is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. That, that's not something I was not expecting to hear that news at all. Neither did I. Neither did I. So we do this, and we're doing this episode, which is going to air very shortly. And we do it in memory and in honor of him. If you could pick out a memory where Trevor's concerned, maybe one of your favorites, what would that be? Well, I can tell you one of the funniest ones was we was on a bike ride. I don't exactly remember where, but he was in front of us. And all of a sudden, I see these two big, huge feet just pop out on the outside of those foot pegs and I'm telling you that was sled runners and I had to get a picture of it and I still have that picture that was just hilarious and I really thought when he seen it I was going to be in trouble for it but he laughed and I told him I said you know it's a good thing the gas pedal ain't down that by your feet because we'd be stopping every 30 minutes for you to get fuel and he laughed and he said you know what he said i was going to get you back for this he says but it's true he said i got some sled runners he really does and, and, and i remember seeing those pictures and yeah i think they're on your facebook aren't they they are yeah and if i'm not mistaken i actually uh, hijacked one copied it and put it on mine because i remember being in front of him a lot of times he would put me in front of him and i would look back there and all i would i would see was a front tire and two feet <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that was really funny it was. Yeah, i think he wore like size 14s or something i don't know what no, it was no, i didn't know it was that <laughs> i didn't know that but that was definitely uh that's definitely one that i won't forget <laughs> me neither and i want to thank you and scott both for taking the time to talk with us this evening Oh, you're very welcome. Now, it was sometime around, I don't know, 2016, 17, maybe a little earlier or later. There were several of us, including Trevor, myself, Donnie Bruce, Velvet, Scott, Lynn, and Vaughn, and a few others that were on our way to Two Wheels of Such in Georgia's. Earlier in the podcast, you heard me mention that. It's a motorcycle campground in the North Georgia mountains. Well, we run across this trailer court. Scott? Well, 
Trevor was using his GPS to get us down there. And we end up in this trailer court, probably two, three hundred trailers in it. And we go all through it. We go down different aisles of it. I thought Trevor was looking for somebody else that was going on the bike ride with us. I didn't know what we was doing in there. But we go all through this trailer court and then back out on the road. And when we when we stopped the first time, I, I, I asked Trevor, I said, Trev, I said, uh, was we looking for somebody in the trailer court to go with us? He said, no. He said, my GPS took me down in there. He said, and I figured while we was down in it, we might as well just tour all of it. <laughs> <laughs> And the Dukes of Hazard Courthouse. Yes, we went to a little small town somewhere in Georgia that had a roundabout. Had a statue in the center of it, and I think it was the Daytona 500 we done around that thing on bikes. I was getting, I was getting dizzy when we went around it so many times. But we was all following trail and then all of a sudden he just popped out of it and went down through a two-lane road and we had it on our way and we made it eventually and we made it and uh the second time we went down there we all took different routes me yeah. and donnie bruce and velvet and lynn went one way trevor uh i don't know if travis was with us or not but we all took different routes getting down there. And we was almost to such as Georgia, to the campground. And we're on this two-lane back road. And all of a sudden, there's two bikes. It might have been him and Vaughn. But they was two bikes popped out of this little side road. And, of course, you know, we was hammering pretty good because it's getting late up in the evening. And when we went, when the box popped out on the road, we went by him. I told Glenn, I said, that was Trevor. She said, are you sure? I said, that was Trevor. And I started slowing down, looking in the mirror. I said, yep, that's Trevor. I said, they ain't nobody got a foot laid out on a peg. Get on with him. <laughs> and sure enough, sure enough, we slowed down, let him catch up with us. And it was Trevor and Vaughn, I think. Yep. That sounds like Trevor. It does. I, well, it I wish might, I went on that trip. Been you. I can't remember. I, it could have been. Yeah, you was already there. You was already at, you'd be all of us down there. Yeah. Yeah, I think I remember that. That was yeah. in 2019, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. 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 I believe so. Yep. Well, Scott, I sure do appreciate the time that you took to tell us this and to share what you knew about Trevor. Well, I've got one more to share with you. When we was in such as Georgia, we was all sitting around talking. You know, Trevor done the, you know, trivia thing on the radio every morning. Yeah. And I told him, I said, man, I said, instead of doing that two-note Tuesday, I said, well, won't you do something for stupid people? <laughs> <laughs> he, he laughed and he said, stupid people. I said, yeah, stupid people like me. He said, like what? 
I said, won't you ask questions about something stupid people know about, like MASH and Andy Griffith and <laughs> shows like that. And sure enough, it wasn't a couple weeks later. I tuned in one morning, and he was asking questions about MASH. And uh, just so happened, the, the morning that he done it, I was in an area I had no cell phone signal at all and couldn't answer one question. <laughs> that Wouldn't that be Trevor? Yeah, Yeah, that would be Trevor. But uh, <laughs> I did get the opportunity to, to answer questions on MASH and uh, actually won uh, one day. But, uh, yeah, he, uh, he just laughed and, you know, cut up about it, but you know, he didn't forget it. He, like I said, a couple of weeks later, he was on the radio asking trivia questions about MASH. If you had one word to sum him up, what would it be? Unique. That would be perfect. Unique. I mean, he he was a biker. He was a brother. Uh, talented in music, like beyond anyone uh, I mean mechanically inclined he he took a cell phone apart from me one time and fixed it and put it back together and I mean it was in a million pieces and, and I it worked myself, I said I thought to myself you know I said my god I'm going to have to get a new phone this thing won't never work again but he put it back together and it worked I mean he was just if if I could use two words, uniquely talented. <laughs> that would be good too. But I yeah, know he's it, something that we are going. We are all going to. Uh, he is going to be terribly missed. Yes, he is. He's already missed. We already. Me yeah. and him had already talked about plans to going back to Suchies this year, and uh, you know, we ain't promised tomorrow. And it uh, when I hear the news. I just couldn't believe it. Still can't believe it. Well, I found out from you. Yeah. Yeah, you was the first person that I texted because I knew you all were, was close to. You was the first person I let know. Well, brother, I appreciate you, and I love you and Lynn both. And I give you all the respect in the world, and thank you for your time. No problem, buddy. We love you, too. Well, if you're not... And you've ever wondered what it would be like to be a part of the biker community or family. Now you've probably got a much better idea because that's how we all are. I sold mine in November at a 2020 model Harley-Davidson FLTRK Road Glide Limited. To this day, I'm still invited to events... I'm still invited to cookouts, and I'm still invited to the store to just hang out. Will I buy another Harley? That remains to be seen. But I have a feeling that if God in his infinite wisdom, my father, and Trevor Huff have anything to do with it, I'll own another one. There's no family like the biker community. For people that aren't seemingly related to each other, 
one would think that we're brothers and sisters. And we are. Through the course of that year, 2021, and we have a lot of plans, and maybe that's some of my biggest regrets is that they didn't, they didn't happen. We had plans to go to Georgia, then plans to go to Tennessee, and you know, just spend a weekend hanging out, being friends, doing what friends do, throwing some burgers on the grill, enjoying each other. Well, you know how it happens, life. One thing leads to another. You don't always get to follow through with what you want. So let me tell you, if you've got a friend like that, make plans with them and follow through with them because there's nothing more important. You can quit your job tomorrow or you can die tomorrow and they'll have that damn job replaced inside of 30 days. If not sooner. But those memories... But those memories are vital. Because in the end, when one of us is gone, they keep the other one going. That's what we've got. It was on a Wednesday. And if my math serves me correctly, it was on February 9th, only days before his birthday, which was the 15th. I'm sitting in the studio of WQHY. I'd only been back a month. And I got a text from a guy named Scott, who is a mutual friend. And he told me that Trevor had passed. What do you say to that? You don't expect it. And let me put an end to the bullshit, vicious rumor cycles out there. This was not suicide. It was natural causes. Maybe some would say God's will. When I think of a friend, the first image that comes to my mind is the face of Trevor Huff. He helped me be the best that I could be. When I had to go out and clear out my parents' home, every time I walked in that place, it was like a punch in the gut. But he was there with me to help me. And there's a picture on my Facebook page of us stopping at a restaurant and having lunch. Least I could do was buy the guy dinner. Lord knows he'd done it for me enough. And there he is sitting with two fingers up. Peace. And that big grin on his face that people love so much. I can say that grin was genuine. That smile was genuine. And in doing so, he made us smile. He made all of us smile. He was passionate about everything. He was passionate about his son, his friends, his family, and his music. This was recorded on a Christmas Eve. He sent it to me and asked me what I thought before it hit YouTube and Facebook and 
well, everywhere else. Trevor Huff by himself in front of a video camera with an acoustic guitar said the Christmas spirit just hit him all of a sudden and that was a result that put hundreds of thousands in the spirit a few days before he posted the Harley for sale funny story about that is is this lady who works at our local Harley shop, it's Mineshaft Harley-Davidson, contacted me. She called me. She and her husband and I are friends, and she was in tears. What happened? What happened? I didn't know what to say to that. The only thing I could say was he's gone. They were set to buy his bike a few days before, but he had a condition. Now, this was Trevor. You have to remember, he always had a reason and a purpose. You see, I had sold mine. I had a 2020, I think it was, Road Glide. Sold it because I wasn't riding it and wanted to get out from under the payment, and I did. They took it one day, sold it the next. Beautiful bike. Trevor loved it. He never would ride that, though. I begged him to. He never would. He said, look... If I ride that thing, then I'm going to buy one. And I just got this one paid off. He had an ultra classic. He said, I, if I ride that road glide, I'm going to buy it. I know I will. Called it the Cadillac of Harleys. I begged him to ride that buck. And anybody that knows me knows I don't let anybody ride my two wheels. But him or my dad... I would have never have said a word. But anyways, when he found out that I sold it, he calls me, bro, what the fill in the blank is up? And I said, well, I wasn't riding it and got tired of a payment, a $500 a month payment or whatever it was. He said, man, he said, you without a bike is like a day without sunshine. He said, this can't be right. He said, it's just not cool. It's not right. So before he was going to sell his, she told me, this lady that called me, she told me that he had made an arrangement that he and I were going to come up in June of 2022 and we were going to buy two Harley Davidsons because we were both lovers of Harleys. And he said, but the deal is we get $1,000 off and they're new. Of course, she said, I'll do everything I can for you. And she meant it. That's the kind of people they are up there. They're family, too. Anyone that walks through their doors. They love Trevor. So his plan was in June that he and I were going to go get back in the saddles 
and take us a trip back to Georgia to look for Dickfers. <laughs> that was Trevor. I want you to remember that name. Trevor Huff. I want you to remember Alex. And pray for the people that love him so much and miss him so dearly. Because in the end, what we are left with are those memories, their names. And this, just so you know, except for the very beginning, has been completely unscripted. This is me telling you about Trevor. And I'm going to let other people tell you about Trevor, too. Whoever wants to. Maybe it's his son, if he can. Maybe it's people that knew him, people that loved him, people that treasured him. But I often leave myself wondering why. He was ten times the man I could ever want to be. He made me want to be a better person. And around him I was. Simply just being near him. Listening to him talk sense into me when nobody else could. You know, I went through a really dark spell lately because of some stupid reasons, but my reasons of my own design. And guess who was there? I wasn't talking to anybody that honestly gave a damn about me, I thought. I was wrong. He showed me that. He proved that to me. The last... Well, it was the Sunday before he died. He called, and I had the Rona, which is no laughing matter. So I certainly don't make a joke about that, but I had it. And I said, man, I just want to be left alone. I'm sick. I'm not feeling good. Let me tell you a joke. Let me tell you a joke. I said, Trev, I'm not feeling good. I just want to be left alone, man. Don't ever, ever have that kind of regret in your life. Now, we spoke a day or two after. It was just like the day before he died, or maybe two days before. And I apologized to him, and I said, look, I just wasn't feeling good, man. I'm sorry. And he said, bro, he said, if you ever talk to me like that again, I'm going to come down there, and I'm going to walk a mud puddle in your ass and then stomp it dry. He said, I love you. He said, and no matter what, he said, I don't care if you've got corona, if you've got pneumonia. He said, I don't care if you've got herpes. He said, I will bring groceries to your door, knock on it, and knock them off. And he said, I will take that door apart no matter what it takes. I will get to you. And he meant it. You know, I, I, I couldn't, I, I tried, I couldn't go to his service. And the reason was twofold. Number one, I still had some symptoms, and I did not want to spread this to anybody else. And number two, number two, I couldn't bear to see. I couldn't bear to see him like that, laying there. How do you say goodbye to someone that always said, and I quote, Hey, what's up? 
or was up my brother it wasn't brother it was brother how do you say that last goodbye how is it that you look god in the face and say why did you take him and not me you know trevor was a very intelligent person and had many many original unique thoughts now i'm not sure of his religious persuasion if he had one at all but i can tell you that he did believe in things i can tell you that he believed in people I can tell you that he believed in love. I can tell you that he believed in the power of music to heal and the power of a hug to help. I can tell you that he believed in his son and he believed in his family and he believed in the people that he cared about. And that alone for me was enough to say, what a guy, my God, what an incredible guy. Because at no point in his life that I know of did he ever refuse a helping hand to anybody. I remember once he looked at me and he said, you know, the only time you should look down on somebody is when you're helping them up. That was Trevor Huff. He's gone now. His body. But I'm telling you, even as I said in this studio right now recording this, which is completely off-key and completely unscripted, and I'm going from the heart as I go along, I can tell you, I feel him. It's almost like he's standing right behind me with his hand on my shoulder. <laughs> and I'll come on, I can almost hear him, come on, man, I'll make you some frozen pancakes and sausage. <laughs> Or I can make you some pancakes. They'll be frozen, but they're pancakes. He had so many people that he cared about, and I'm just going to list a few, and if I don't know some of them, I apologize. But I can tell you, if I don't mention you and you knew him, you were in the mix. Alex, Jennifer, of course his mom and dad, Janine, Misty, Travis, Scott, Lynn, Donnie Bruce, Velvet, these people loved him, too, and he loved them with a level of intensity that I cannot start to put into words. I just simply don't have the words. One of his friends had contacted me, and she said, you know, I used to call him on the way home from Indiana. Or I used to call him on the way here or there. And he always said, make sure you'd message me. Make sure you'd text me. Make sure that you let me know that you made it home safe. And she said, and now... Who do I do that to? And I told her, I said, you call me. All of his friends did say the same thing, that he gushed over you, Chris. When he would talk about that voice, he would say, God, this guy's got a million-dollar voice. If he wasn't in where he's at, then he he would be a millionaire. I don't care about being a millionaire. The only thing I want is my brother back. But I can't have him, and I hope that in some way, Trev, this does you justice. Like you said, it's unscripted. It's straight from the heart. It's what you said needed to happen. And maybe you were right again, which wouldn't be the first time. But maybe you were right. Maybe these episodes, all of them, need to be unscripted. Maybe every episode I've ever done was unscripted. They were all scripted. Either by me or my son-in-law or my daughter. 
God, that was somebody else. He loved my daughter. They were two musical songbirds. You see, she sang at my mom's memorial service, a song that she wrote called This Appalachian Bird No Longer Sings For Me. I looked over at Trev, and he had tears in his eyes. And while I read the poem, The Dash, he played that guitar. There was an acoustic, and man, he made that thing sound like nobody could. I look back on pictures of him from his days with FMS or Flat Mary Stone, and God, he was vicious. I mean, women saw him and went crazy over him, but he never let that get to his head. To him, he was just country boy. Now I remember him saying, you know, he said, I'm, like I told you, I'm a guitarist, I'm not a musician. He said, I'm not a vocalist. And I said, Trev, you are a vocalist. You are a musician. I said, you are good with your hands. I watched him take motorcycles apart, put them back together, and they ran better than they did before he got done with them. I watched him build things. I told him once, I said, you know, you you are about the only guy I've ever met that could step right into a pile of dog crap and come out with 15 ounces of gold. And he laughed at me. And he said, man, it's all about attitude. And man, was his attitude exceptional. It was great. But like all of us, we have demons. We have things that we have to deal with. He was no different. If you're listening to this, Trevor, wherever you are, wherever you may be, I want you to know that I love you. You're my brother. You are my brother in this life. You will be my brother in the next life. You will be my brother for as as long as there's a God. And I know that there is because he gave me you. He gave us you. He gave us something that simply simply was incredible. You know, all the greats seem to leave us early. Jim Morrison, Jimi Hendrix. That list goes on and on and on. For whatever reason, they leave us early. The reason isn't what matters. And I I guess that's why I got so upset when people said, what happened? What happened? What happened? Who the hell? Why why would I even? (sighs) I'll tell you what happened. What happened is he's not here. That's what matters. And there's a piece of me that that feels I failed him somehow. That I wasn't there when he needed me. And God forgive me for that if that's the case. You were my rock. My wingman. My brother. And the best friend I've ever known. And what I wouldn't give 
just one more time for one of those corny-ass jokes like, hey, a bartender, a horse walks into a bar and the bartender says, why the long face? (laughs) Really, Trev? (laughs) There was a million of those. And I cannot begin to start to describe the joy I got out of every single one of them, even if I heard them 20, 30 times each. And I'd give anything if I could go back to that Sunday when he kept saying, let me tell you a joke, let me tell you a joke. And I said, man, I'm just tired, I'm sick, I'm not feeling good. God, I'd give anything. But like he said, life is a lesson. And in some way, we have to learn, so why not this way? Well, that's a hell of a way to learn something. You remember earlier I told you about him calling my dad. When my dad died, there was this envelope in a safe that he wanted me to take. So I took it, threw it in the trunk of the car, didn't think much else about it for a day or two. Then it hit me, oh yeah, i got to get that thing out of there, I don't even know what's in it. So I went in there. And there were valuables. There was a watch that I'd given him for his birthday one year. There were letters and cards that I'd gotten him over the years. And, of course, there was money. But there was this envelope, and it was a plain white, you know, security envelope. You know the kind. You you peel and stick. You know it. White. But on it, in blue ink, it was written, Chris and Trev, MC, Ride. I opened that up and there was five or six hundred bucks in it. First person I had to call was Trevor Huff. I said, bro. And I broke down into tears. Next thing I know, he hangs up. Now, you got to keep in mind, Trevor lived 30, 35 minutes, maybe 40 minutes from me. He was here in 25 minutes. Rolled into this driveway like a state trooper chasing a convict. He came inside and he said, I'm here, man. What's up? What's up? And all I could do was hand in the envelope. And he looked at the outside of it and he looked down and he looked back at me and he looked down again and he looked back at me again. And he smiled with tears in his eyes. He had to take off his sunglasses. He had these Harley Davidson sunglasses. You see, radio, or rather, Trevor was a hell of a radio guy. He was one of the best I'd ever seen. He could do live remotes. He could do on air. He could do anything. He could do production. We'd done production together for Great White, the band, for Tantric, for, um, what was the name of those guys that sung signs? Uh, Tesla. We'd done production for them. We'd, we'd done all kinds of stuff. And people were like, oh, my God, is that you? Is that you? And he, he said, well, he said, I done the production. He said, the voice belongs to Chris Sloan. And he he would always make sure that that credit went to me. Even when all I did was voice a few lines. But anyways, he looks down at this envelope and he looks at me and he does this two or three times and he looks back and he had to take off those sunglasses that he had won at a radio auction for doing the live remotes. And he wipes the tears out of his eyes. And he said, this was in 2019, by the way. And he looks at me and he says, you gotta go. On the envelope was plainly written, Chris and Trev, MC Ride. I still got it. Chris and Trev, 
MC Ride. You see, one of the promises that my dad made me give him before he died was don't quit riding. People closest to Trevor would say the same thing now. And I have quit riding, but... You know, what do you do? Maybe again one day down that furthest stretch of road where the curves straighten out, the horizon is in view, the wind's on your back, the sun's in your face. We'll ride together again, my brother. Maybe one day soon, maybe, I'll get that bike that you had made that deal for But you need to know that until that day, every inch of every foot of every mile, that's for you and my dad. Because I love you both so much. And you both taught me what it was like to be a man. And that it was okay to love If I live long enough and things get a little better, then maybe, just maybe I will. And maybe there'll be one more trip to such as for me. Maybe there'll be that one more ride that goes down Wolfpin Gap Road with all the twists and the curves, the wind in the hair, the unexalterated feel of freedom. But you also need to know that will be the hardest ride I'll ever take. But for you, I'll do it. And I'll have that picture of you on your Harley right there somewhere on whatever I'm riding. It's amazing how people bond. It's amazing the friendships we form. It's amazing the brotherhood or the sisterhoods that we have. Another thing about the Mountain Mysteries that he loved was from episode number nine. It was called The Watcher. My extremely talented daughter performed the role of the Watcher in that episode. He loved the way she delivered her part. The Broadduses had bought 657 Boulevard just after Derek celebrated his 40th birthday. And their three kids were already debating which of the house's fireplaces Santa Claus would use. But, as Derek kept reading the letter from his new neighbor, whomever it was, the mysterious author took a turn. The writer 
of the letter asked, How did you end up here? Did 657 Boulevard call you with its force within? 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now. And as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father watched in the 1960s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. Understandably, and rightfully so, my daughter didn't have the heart to speak on this. She's... She's broken, like many of us. I can say the same for Alex and Alex's mom, Jennifer. Even though Trevor and Jennifer had not been a couple in some times, they still cared about each other. They had a mutual love, and his name is Alex. And I'll say this about Alex. He is one of the most remarkable, most intelligent and most wonderful young men I've ever met in my life. Takes after his dad and mom both, because his mom is just as wonderful. She's been a friend of mine since high school as well. I'm going to end this particular episode with something I've not done in some time. If you'll remember, at my mom's memorial service, I told you that I read a poem called The Dash. I've done this twice. This will make the third time. I can only manage to get through this for people that I love and care about, and I hope that it does justice. It was written by a lady named Linda Ellis. I think it sums up quite nicely what we should all strive to be. I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on the tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noted the first came the date of birth and spoke of the following date with tears. But I say to you what matters most is that dash between the years. For that dash represents all the time that he spent alive on this earth, and now only those who truly loved him knows what that little line is worth. For you see, it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. But what truly matters most of all is how we live and love and how we spend that dash. So think about that long and hard. Are there things that you'd like to change? Because you never know how much time is left and how much can be rearranged. If we could just slow down just long enough to consider what's true and real and always try to understand the way other people feel. 
we'd be less quick to anger and certainly show appreciation more and love the people in our lives like we've never loved before. If we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remembering that that special little dash only lasts a little while. So when your time comes and your eulogies being read, with your life's actions to rehash. Would you be proud of the things that people said and how you spent your dash? Trevor Huff, with all of my love, honor, and respect, you are my brother in this life and in the next. I'll always love you, brother. Thank you for everything. Come on.